Hi, welcome to the 70th edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. I'm Rob Vanstone. With me, as always, uh, to my far right, my far left, what a rollicking start. I can't even get my <laughs> geography correct, is uh, Murray McCormick, our 392-year uh, veteran football scribe. Dyslexics untie, I was like to say when that happens. And uh, we're very honored to have with us once again, for the second time, he's decided to subject himself to this, um, thankfully, uh, Derek Taylor, the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders from CKRM, formerly from, formerly of, of TSN and Hello. other other media outlets. Thanks so much, DT, for being with us. You're welcome. And um, it's great I, to be here. He, he's got the script on phone. <laughs> A trained broadcaster, yeah, exactly. I'm wearing my Denver Nuggets hat uh, today in honor of Derek Taylor because my first. Uh, I was, became a Nuggets fan and a basketball fan because of David Thompson, who was known as DT. So I thought, being that we got DT in studio today, I'm wearing the Nuggets hat. And Murray's wearing the Steeler hat because they somehow won. We're on a one-game winning streak. So, better so than Denver. Watch out, North, North, North Conference. We're coming. Um, myriad Maybe. topics we can discuss with the Rough Riders today. So we'll try to keep this to under three hours. Uh, Riders in Winnipeg coming up this weekend. It seems like playoff football in early October. Uh DT, what are your thoughts on uh, this game coming up? By far the biggest game they've had all year. This one determines the season series between the two. And just for some reason, and maybe it's the whomping they took in the Banjo Bowl, I had this kind of sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that, oh, no, this might not go well. You know, Chris Trevler is not a good quarterback. That offense in Winnipeg is not doing well. Uh, the defense got a nice boost this past week, though you wouldn't have noticed it on the field. I just I can't shake the sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. Is it us? <laughs> and I do apologize. Well, things ferment over 392 years, right? So <laughs> it very well could be. I, I don't I don't know why because there, there's no reason to really believe that that Winnipeg offense is is capable of doing to Saskatchewan what it did in the Banjo Bowl ever again. But it's just maybe that it's such a big game. Uh, we we talked about on our show the sports game, that. Uh, the two BC games early on were big games. This is a team that wasn't good. You have to beat them twice. Boom, they did it. You got to beat Ottawa. Okay, they did. You have to smush Toronto into the dirt. You did. You had to uh, beat Winnipeg on Labor Day. You did. This is just another one. And this one, if this goes wrong, then Calgary's on the horizon and you might lose the tiebreaker to both those teams and then have to go through Winnipeg and Calgary to get to the Grey Cup. That is not a road I would recommend for anybody. Jeez, Dirk, you haven't been here that long, and you're already kind of settled into the pessimistic mode of a rough rider that worse things are going to happen. Congratulations. Thank you. It only took you to October to get to well, that Well, anybody level. who's watched this team for a long time <laughs> is conditioned to expect Exactly, that. and Dirk's at, yeah. still a relatively newbie at this, you know, these expectations well, of the riders. I think it's... As much as Winnipeg just got trashed yes. by Hamilton... We, we saw what they did in Winnipeg, right? They just 14 plays and 105 yards and ran rough shot over the, exactly. the riders on that very first drive and then the first drive of the second quarter. And that game was never really a game. No. Whatever reason. It was over after the third play. Yeah, so Winnipeg's <laughs> offense has fallen apart the last – pardon me, defense has fallen apart the last couple of weeks. But Jackson Jeffcoat had 28 quarterback pressures in four games to the point where Craig Rowe, who's a good player, is – on the bench, Willie Jefferson is Willie Jefferson. Steven Richardson, the damage he did against the Riders. Winston Rose is still back there. There's so much talent on that defense that it's just—it's like right there. It's just—I just—I don't know what to make of they it. They still have Chris Trevler as a quarterback, and Chris Trevler is still a guy. You go, I know he engineered that lopsided win. Yep, sort of, kind of, but 
Johnny Augustine too, yeah. Johnny Augustine. I just think that Chris Trevler isn't that good of a quarterback and I'm come along more along your lines and I know the numbers prove me wrong. Thank but, you, Murray. Yeah, I know and I don't want to give him probably billboard material, but I I just think the Riders defense is improving. And I think you know, against weaker opposition like Charles, but I think it's improving too. And I think yep. even with Andrew Harris back, I think they can be better. And if, if Zach Evans is back this week, which will be, you know, even if he doesn't come back, they're still pretty good front four with, with the way things are going. So I'm not as pessimistic as you are. Right. I think we saw a little maturity in Cody Fajardo against the Argos. I think we saw a little difference growing up. And I know the Argos are the Argos, and Rob nailed it today. They're a bad team and everything else, but Cody just looked a little better, and I think he's growing. And I think we're kind of see Cody Fajardo grow. This will be another chance for him to pass another test to get to the next test, which yes, yeah, next test. and he's passed a bunch of tests already, right? Like three game-winning drives so far this season. He's been fantastic. Uh, that defense. I mean, just watching that game against Toronto and watching uh, Micah Johnson obliterate oh. people left and right, just takes Tyler Holmes and tosses him aside. And uh, they replayed one where he took Declan Cross and just chucked him five yards yeah. and then went went after Franklin. You're like, man, Micah is absolutely crushing people. Charleston, 15 sacks. A.C. Leonard really got on fire that Toronto game. And again, quality of opponent. Right. But to see that from A.C. Leonard, who I don't think has had a sack since week five? Something like that. Question yeah. mark? So Charbel DeBeer should have had two sacks in that game. Everybody on that defensive line was just on fire. Charbel DeBeer pushed the left guard into the basically yeah. brutalized the left guard and then oh there's a quarterback I will sack him now. But what he did to the offensive lineman was bordering on the inhumane. This is a <laughs> Tyler this Holmes, is a yeah. lower round draft choice that's coming in as, as a rookie and doing that to a He looks stronger than when he did in training camp. I don't know what it is. I remember I was impressed with his speed. He had shoulders, but he looks like yeah. the weight program they've got him on here is paying off. I really think that he's. I'm on a weight program. Too, he's good. It's not the one, Can we just one give one look? Device. Just give the Riders a little credit. Now the East Division's out of the way. They were going six and two against these guys when they started off zero oh and two, and things looked pretty desperate back then. They pretty well manhandled yeah. the East Division. Except- with, and I know that it's the quality of teams and all that is all is all part of it and whatnot. But you got to be. <laughs> You got to beat the team in front of you. Yeah. And Rob will go back many, many years. The Riders don't beat the team in front of him with any regularity. No, and that's that. that I wrote that's, a column on that last week, how that kept them from home playoff games. You look at the yeah. 03 to 06 and their propensity for losing to bad teams, including being the only team to lose to Hamilton in 2003. That cost them numerous home playoff games because you couldn't take advantage of the free spaces. The Rough Riders have done that. The yeah. free spaces yeah. are, for the most part, gone now. They still go to BC once, but. This gets so good, and I, I'm with DT here. I look at this Winnipeg team, and I, I wonder if people are being hasty and being so dismissive on the basis of some ugly showings, but I go back to the two-game set against Saskatchewan. The Banjo Bowl is well-documented, but even the Labor Day Classic, Chris Strevler, for all the criticism he's absorbed, he never got a chance to get back on the field after he marched the Bombers for the go-ahead touchdown. Yep. And so even though the, the point production and the offensive production wasn't high, in that Labor Day Classic, uh, Chris Strebler still put his team in position to win, and then the week, uh, six days later, it was a it was a mess. And this was done, Johnny Augustine played pretty well, but now Winnipeg is infusing Andrew Harris into the equation for this game. So yeah. I think there are reasons to be wary of the Bombers, despite the fact that the last couple of games they have not played well. 
there's plenty of time for them to recover, and I think they have the arsenal that should enable them to do so. Their their weapons just haven't turned out kind of the way we thought, right? For whatever reason, people they don't throw the ball to Darvin Adams. Throw the ball what to Darvin that? Adams. The guy should be a thousand yards and ten touchdowns yeah. every year. Lucky Whitehead for all the preseason hype and what he did to in the preseason game here had one game against Edmonton and then it's 30 yards, 20 yards, 15 yards. I think his regular over under is like 27 yards on online. Wow. He's not really a, a threat. They don't, they don't use Nick Dembski. I mean, how can mm. they? Because I think it was great to hear Murray say he's coming around because everybody will insist to me when I ask them, Oh no, Chris Trevor is a good quarterback. Chris Trevler is a interesting and good offensive weapon, but help me out here. You have to be able to throw the ball in the CFL. Yeah, he can throw, have to throw it consistently. <laughs> just, when he drops yeah. back to pass, I think everyone crosses their fingers, including the receivers. Yeah. Because you just don't know what's going to happen. Maybe he should just run. And he's yeah. a tremendous runner. Tremendous runner of the football. But what I saw last year when he started for Matt Nichols, when Nichols was hurt early, I thought, oh, hey, yeah, won the first game. What was it? Three touchdowns and two picks. Sure, but you have to throw the football. You can't be... You can't survive at 60-40 pass, much less 50-50 or a majority of Andrew Harris. You can't survive on the checkdowns to Andrew Harris and expect to win the Grey Cup. It's just, it's not they have to going even, to do it. Do so. the Riders even think about the Grey Cup? I think they got to think about this one. And I know they will, this one game. Because you've said earlier, this is this is the biggest game of the year, I think. And it's, it's followed by the next biggest game, game of the year. year. And then, it gets, it, right? then they can coast almost. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. Coast, the, but the, the, the other teams are still going to be playing, and they're yeah. still going to be yeah. Winnipeg. Winnipeg but this puts them in control of, of their destiny. Yeah, and yeah. Edmonton's yeah. not very good either. No. Like BC, Edmonton, Edmonton to finish the season. Edmonton is not a particularly good team. Logan Kilgore is not a particularly good substitute at quarterback. So the, the last three games are much easier than these next two, and – Fingers crossed, infinitely less important than these these next two. I don't know what to make of the Bomber defense. Is this the Bomber defense that played very well in back-to-back games against Saskatchewan? Or is this the Bomber defense that completely fell apart against Montreal and then basically did the same thing against Hamilton? I look at the, the Bombers, and they were able, against Montreal, they were able to shut down William Stanback, much like the Rough Riders shut down, or much like uh, Winnipeg shut down William Powell. But as soon as the running back is, is extracted from the equation because of the, def- of the defensive pr- defense's preoccupation with stopping the run, the riders weren't able to counter with an effective air attack, mm. whereas Vernon Adams almost threw for 900 yards, or five, 500 yards. Yes. So is this a defense that can make you one-dimensional and then squeeze the life out of you, or is this a defense that Vernon Adams and Dane Evans are able to lacerate? I don't understand. I don't know what to make of that bomber defense re- recently. There's so much talent on it between that front four, Adam Big Hill, Winston Rose, Marcus Sales has had a couple of tough games in a row at that boundary halfback spot, but that kid is that kid is good. I've always been Chandler Fenner, Anthony yeah. Gator. Uh, there's a lot. Rios is. I've just been in watching, seen him have some some troubles at that field side corner. Jeff Hecht is Jeff Hecht. He's sometimes Johnny on the spot, but. He's a he's a journeyman safety. There's some real talent on there, but they they take bend but don't break almost to a to a super extreme, right? And then all of a sudden they break and oh, okay, well we're down two touchdowns. There's zero chance we can come back from that. So they they need to be tight. And if Willie doesn't make plays, his what ten batted passes and six force fumbles and eleven sacks. If Willie isn't doing that, 
someone better pick it up. It's got to, I mean, Jeff Cote off that other end has got to be a real yeah. force for them like he was before he got injured. But this offensive line, now the Riders have been a Labatt back. Yep. And it, it, it's kind of hard. How do you assess the rotating right guards? I don't know how, what would you think? It, it looked, I think they should be leaving Shepley there, but that's fine. It looked fine. I went through because I wanted to count, right? And so each guy got, by my count, 28 snaps at right guard. And then Dakota got 12 more at tight end. And there were a couple plays. I didn't watch them all, you know, 40 snaps, super close. But there were a couple where Dakota got whiffed at, the, uh, at that tight end spot, which stuff happens. Other guys are right. good, too. And the Arsenal touchdown was with, with, was, was with him playing tight end, too, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's and very well. Too. Okay. I'll yeah. take your word for it so. because I know you went back in the, <laughs> and looked at it. So, so it, there's that. Sorry yeah, I, I think, honestly, I think it just should be Shepley. And it was, it was Shepley in the first half of that game. And, yeah, they flop him out to be that tight end in those sets. And they ran that heavy set a ton against Toronto for whatever reason Coach McAdoo wanted it. I, I think it's got to be Shepley. But, I mean, we've seen how many permutations and how many combinations of this line and it yep. just hasn't mattered. They've all been good. Yeah. Like, wow, this is okay. We'll see better this week and the next week, right? And also, because both Winnipeg and Calgary have real weapons on their line. And they're also in a position to get better with Philip Blake due back soon ish. He's off the cast. He's walking. Where do you put him? Where I know. Do you put him? And to Kobe Cofield, it's back soon ish. We don't yep. know for sure. And then Taryn Vaughn's been a quite serviceable left tackle. So I don't think that's been a big issue there. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they have. A, a depth, not a problem. How do you call it? A depth, a glut of depth. Like this is great. They've depth. got really, and you talked about it in the sports cage yesterday. Yeah, with the trade dead, dead deadline looming, and you look at the depth on this football team, and I don't see where there's a glaring area of need. No, offensive line, they're they're super they're, deep. They've got ton, you've got a ton quarterbacking. If Fajardo goes down, well. You're not going to be able to fix that via trade. Yep. Running back is fine. Receivers, they've got two guys who can play who aren't running back playing. Could, running back's a spot. If William Powell got hurt, this is a different team because now you're going. You're probably not putting Thigpen in there. You're going to Jamal Wall, yeah. and we haven't. We literally haven't seen him play. We know he's super good at coin flips from his <laughs> college days, but we don't really know what he would look like in a CFL game. Receiver, super deep, super deep. Defensive line, we've we've seen it last week. Super deep. Uh, I'm what we talked about on the show was American defensive backs. If one goes down, that's probably a big hole. And if Derek Moncrief goes down, okay, LJ McCray yeah. probably comes down and somebody goes in a field corner. I'm not worried about that. But what if, what if Ed Gainey went down? Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, Lucius Purifoy, if Purifoy went down, uh, even if Adam went down, it's probably Ailey Buka, yeah. but Adam is those four guys that we talk about, uh, even five with LJ. An injury there that end of the season could really cause problems. But if you look at their roster and their starting lineup is currently constituted, I don't think you can look. You can say, okay, trade deadline's coming. Let's target this position. No, it would take all. an injury for yeah. for the depth to become for them for the for a trade to become an imperative. And and it's yeah. not unrealistic to think that there would be one because this is a violent sport and there's lots of football left to be played. But I look at the the roster in general and the and the the way they've been able to fortify themselves virtually across the board. Yeah. And that it's impressive what Jeremy O'Day has done as far as constructing a team. Yeah. But even like today, you know, they signed Atlee Simon, the former U of R Rams star. And what he can do. So maybe they've already maybe addressed a little bit. He, has, he didn't do much with Calgary, but it's... Well, he's still got Keenan LaFrance, too, so I don't know. Yeah, I know. Yep. I don't know. It's got to be a special team to just see what he looks like before maybe looking down 2020 because it's a good time of year to... 
Yeah. Do that kind but they're of not stuff. at anyone's. They're not at anyone's. Uh, nobody's already got any leverage on the Rough Riders come yeah. trade deadline time, unless an injury against Winnipeg really changes things. And who are you going to trade? Really? Who do you? You know, who are you going to trade? Who would they trade? And like, I one. You know, they don't trade the receivers. Do you, do you kind of think? And I know this is just a little bit off a tangent here. This depth of receiving is a bit of disruption because usually by this time of year, your five guys are set and you have a six guy rolling. Now they have two guys sitting there, and we're asking. As reporters, well, what do you think? What do you think? J- why isn't JWL on the roster? Why isn't that? Do you think it's a bit of disruption or distraction? Do you think these guys are mature enough that Craig James is in, to hand to deal with this sort of competition at a strange, at, a, at really the time of year when it doesn't happen very often? Yeah, I honestly just from, I mean, I've known Kenny Stafford since he joined the team. He seems like, I mean, he's out there smiling all yeah. the time and he is not, he's been on the 46, but he's not really sniffed the 45 man roster, right? The game not day. Yet. Yeah. We're going to play roster, and it's not getting any better with Jordan Williams-Lambert going to come on at some point. So as long as you know he sees value in being here, that depth maintains. He, he was, you know, Christian Jones was was enough to get him the first time. If someone needed a receiver, if Calgary went, okay, we, we just lost Markeith Ambles, and my goodness, we're going to need a body. It's not a Calgary thing they really do, but would they make a play? Would someone... Would they even consider trading an offensive lineman? If someone said, hey, we want Darius Bladek, I think they'd just say, go away. Yeah, we know. we like Darius a lot. Uh, and yeah. as much as he's the sixth man right now, we like him a lot. There's there's a lot of depth, but there's not really... Where's a spot where someone else in the league is so much dramatically better at that spot? There's a lot of good boundary corners in this league, but Nick Marshall is right up there with any of them. Uh, find me a better field corner than Lucez Purifoy. Good luck. Find me a better Sam linebacker. Double good luck. That defensive line, solid. I, you're, I, I don't there's just not one the Riders yeah. can make to bring somebody in. Is there someone they'd be willing to part with? But then what would you want in return? Was, what would you want to improve or improve the depth of? I think the, you, you, you almost have to drill down as deep as they could use a better punt returner. That's how loaded they yeah, are. Yeah, fair. You know? Uh, they're not getting any explosive. Ret- but that's, you know, Marcus Thigpen's fine there. That's not a real crisis, but... They're, when you look at their offense and defense, they're in such good shape. And the only real question right now, and it's been alluded to before, is what do you do with that receiver position? It seemed to me to be an automatic flip that when Jordan Williams-Lambert is ready to play, you put him in, in there instead of Manny Arsenal. But two things have changed that. That touchdown last week showed that he could still get deep, although it helped that he was completely ignored on the play when when, yeah. uh, when one of the defensive Abdul, backs went with Shaq Evans. Abdul can a trail Shaq and, across the uh, middle, yeah. And uh, you saw the response to Emmanuel Arsenault after he scores a touchdown. You tell how much the players love that guy. And you're, you're, you've only lost one game with him in the lineup. So is there a, is there a how much risk are you, are you inviting by messing with things when Craig Dickinson has just talked about how well the team played? Why do you miss, mess with that dynamic? I realize you've got two important games coming, but how do you disrupt that when you look at a chemistry? You're looking at chemistry, you're looking at intangibles, yeah. and now you're looking at some elevated production from Manny Arsenal. How do you tinker with that as good as Jordan Williams-Lambert is? I really wonder if they can do that in terms of the dynamic. Why mess with this? Well, and, and how much is the step up from Naaman to Jordan Williams-Lambert? Like, every time I watch Naaman... You can't I go, Naaman. I go, man, this guy just, he gets it. Oh, there's that hole in the zone? Boom, he, fi- he finds it, he sits there. He was the third leading receiver in this past game, just barely behind, like, not too much behind what Kyron, and then Manny was the leader. 
And on there's, second there's down, there's money. There's something to be said for physical uh, skills, and there's something to be said for just being smart with literally a young quarterback. And you have I, – I, I've said it on the show. I've said it again. You can have name and off the roster when you pry him out of my cold, dead hand. Yeah. Yep. You, don't, you don't mess with that. But he's one of the names Coach Dickinson threw out, right? Yeah, and you're like, it, really? Okay. As you watch Saturday's game progress – Naaman got better and better. And I kept thinking that as that I watched how he played. Thinking, I'm going to have to ask Manny that question. What does he feel like with his competition in October fifth position, which he took umbrage with? But it was coming blatantly obvious. You can't take Naaman Rose out off that roster. No. I don't think you can. Can you take Manny Arsenal off that I roster? I don't think you can. I think, I think Maybe status, quo, injuries or status quo maintains another week. I, would, I honestly think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to maintain, go with what they've got. Unless GWL lights it up in practice, basically has to light it up on day on a Wednesday when we can't see it. Yeah, because they really don't do a lot on day one or day three, or in the walkthroughs. So. It's it's interesting that he's he wasn't in there this past week. I know. And I know they talk about status quo and stuff, but was there for a week of practice, the bye week. Yeah, he he went home, yeah. uh, but presumably was studying everything a professional football player would do. Was back for the fun, you know, last week. And not on the roster yet. Only like, well, three weeks back in the system you played in last year. And sure, there's tweaks and it's different because it's not all screens and checkdowns. Why? Why isn't he in there already? Is is an interesting question and not one we're going to get a real good answer to. But is it something with? Is it really they don't want to mess with the five because they've messed with five man units before? Beginning of the season, offensive line looked good. We want to run Taron Vaughn through there. So he was at right tackle, he was at left tackle, and then he was ready when Takobi went down. They've they've messed with units before in trying to figure out what's the right one. Uh, I wonder how long, if he doesn't get in this week and they beat the Bombers, he's probably not in for the Calgary game. And if Calgary takes them to the woodshed again, unfortunately, then, I mean, you're going to see Jordan Williams-Lambert in at that point. But is this, is this Coach Dickinson going, yeah, we don't need it yet? And will eventually become uh, Jeremy O'Day going, hey, by the way, we're paying this guy a bunch of money. So let's, let's, let's go. I think let's the key go. part of that whole statement is the beginning of the season. That's when, you, that's when you, you fool around with the roster. In October, it's, this is when gelling, other than injuries, yeah. force you to make moves. You're building this or team. Or a loss can force you to miss them. Make them. Would have, would have, if they'd lost to Toronto, then would have been, we would be having a whole lot of different discussions yeah. today. Are they, so, the, are they the counter to the, oh, you really need to gel and you really need to work as a unit? Because when, have you, when was the last time you saw a team rotate an offensive lineman in and out there like you saw yeah. in this past game? I, I, just watching them this season and going, well, you had five different O-line combinations in the first six games because you wanted to try some stuff out. I wonder if that stuff is just things that coaches kind of tell the media, oh, no, you need you need continuity. When You know what? You just need guys who are smart and can get in there, and then yeah. each guy brings their own thing to it. Is this gelling thing just kind of a cover that we use for, eh, you know what, sometimes they're not very good. Well, you, you go back in, in time, and I'm really old. I remember when teams, when they wanted to send in a play, they'd use messenger guards. Right. And so oh, in yeah. comes the, in, the guards are alternating, and they're bringing in the play from the sideline. So if you go back 30, 40, 50 years – that theory about continuity was debunked by the mere existence of the yeah. uh, the messenger guard. And the right-left thing. Like, Dakota was a left guard. Then he went back to his natural right guard. You're like, These guys are, as much as you're probably not, I mean, T- Taron Vaughn's been both tackles this year. As much as, okay, you're the backup and you get you have to do what you got to do to get in the lineup. 
a lot of it, it seems like, hey, if you have talented players and you have a good coach and these guys are smart, you can do a lot of things with them. You can run in different five receiver packages. So it seems like the Riders are showing us you can run in different five offensive lineman packages too. Or seven as the case may be. These Two of their three touchdown passes on Saturday were, were with with a seven-man front. Yeah. Good old so, Albert Awachi is the difference I love maker. Albert Awachi. Absolutely. I, he, I think he's the most unsung player on the team. He hammers some blocks, and then he made a catch. He made a catch. Like, what a second-ever catch. It was so great. Against Ottawa, uh, he found a linebacker and drove the guy right out of the TV screen. Yeah. Watched the, rewatched the play, and he got the guy about three or four yards in the line of scrimmage, beyond the line of scrimmage, and just took him into a different area code while, the, while William Powell was running the ball. Yeah. Albert Awachi is... Is tremendous, and nobody nobody really talks about him. But he's he's doing those little things that Rob Cote used to do for Spencer Calgary. Spencer Moore did a lot of those things too. Yep, you know, had a t- never had a touchdown, but Spencer Moore contributed in, in a similar manner. But I think Albert Watchy, I agree with you. He's one of the the guys no one ever talks about. Here's a question: I know okay. it came up on the Sports Cage on Monday. Who's the Rough Riders' most outstanding player? And Murray's so Murray's going to address this. I think it's Albert Watchy. <laughs> One catch for eight yards and several smart blocks. To be perfectly, I know who. I the think most it's Cody Fajardo, but it's not there's even. also a Charleston Hughes case to be made. Yeah. It, it, Charleston Hughes is on 15 sacks right now. The all-time record is 23. The second most in a CFL season ever. John Bowman once had 19. If Charleston Hughes has 20 sacks and the media and coaches don't vote him as the MOP, we're we're doing it wrong. This guy is on the verge of a historic season. He's played 12 games and has 15 sacks. But it, if they don't ridiculous. have, okay, but you take Charleston Hughes away from the equation, might they be in a similar position? Oh, I don't know about they that. They won their one game that Charleston Hughes, Hughes didn't out, play. Yeah. So you take Cody Fajardo out of this situation, and we're not, we're, they're four and nine. I Are think. you forgetting how high we were on Isaac Harker in week number two? <laughs> I was never they're going to split reps. We're going to throw both Cody and Isaac out there, and then Cody oh, lights it up, and we never see Isaac again. Oh, they were they're, they were high on Isaac Harker. You remember how we oh, were all talking yeah. to Isaac Harker? Oh, my goodness. He beat out Watford? This is get him the color school of mimes? Kicking. No mimes. <laughs> oh, right. Do we need to bring back up how bad Watford was? No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely not. But, yeah, I uh, – if a guy, and maybe it's because there is already a ward for defensive players that will end up going. Fajardo is the MOP, and and Charleston is the team. Or but last year, Willie Jefferson was the MOP. Wasn't he the MOP last yeah, year? Yeah, who else was it going to be, though? Yeah, the, there wasn't really no a contender on offense. No, no. Trey Mason didn't quite uh, measure up. Co- it has happened wise. here before, I'm saying. It's, it's still a precedent. But yeah. I just think without Cody Fajardo, where would the Riders be? And that's it's not the where would the riders be outstanding award. It's the most outstanding player award. Right. I don't think you can subtract him from that this scenario. And you really, what more can you ask? He's upper echelon quarterback this year with these guys. I think sort of graphic that they were the top three quarterbacks, and he's one of the guys. And, yeah. And he's doing it all, even and he beats the bad teams. And he's you know we'll see what happens down, down the stretch. I could have a great to do. But just remember last year, Charles and Hughes got to thirteen sacks. And where was he after that? He, I don't know if he broke down or got tired or something happened that he didn't end up. Only end his up sack slowed down the second half of last yeah. season for sure. His but quarterback he has pressure's jo- held up. Yeah, but you have Micah Johnson in there this year that's going to give. And I, Mike is killing people. Oh, oh yeah. Remember it's the? Just, it's funny. That's I, what they're paying for. I talked to him really? earlier in the, uh, about when he had his first sack, and he says, you know, last year he had six sacks in the first half of the season. He had eight in the second, and you keep and he had all of his numbers. His big numbers were in the second half of the season. Yeah. So and guess who got the great won the great cup with a strong 
because I remember writing about him. He was unstoppable last year. I, he was just a whole other league of defensive tackle and not built like a defensive tackle, built yeah. like a, a defensive end, a big defensive end. So if he keeps going and you expect him to keep plugging away, he's yeah. just going to be he, he's he, going to be the guy. He terrorized Franklin on a play where three guys hit him. And he, he was straight double team, but even a, even the tackle, Randy Richards, hit him. And then he ran right through left side, so that makes it uh, – Tyler Holmes and Sean McEwen. Uh, Sean McEwen, I mean, is a well thought of center. Yeah. He just obliterated those two guys and and got Franklin. You're like this is this is inhuman. This is unbelievable. And I brought this up on the show uh, yesterday. What's what the counter will be to is Charleston the MOP. Uh, someone someone will certainly say, "Hey, what happened in those two games where Micah didn't play and Charleston zeros held off the board?" Like, hmm, interesting. Mm. Might have to use that. Something to think about. Well, and then on the flip side, you go, well, Charleston, 15 sacks. If he gets to 20 for me, no brainer. But yeah. he's going to set a career high in tackles as well. He's got That's 41 right. tackles. His career high is 46. When you think of Willie Jefferson, w- Willie has 20 tackles. He's got all his past bat downs and two more forced fumbles. Charleston has 41 tackles. That's a that's a fantastic number. One for a defensive end and two for a guy his age, and he he'll never talk about his age. But a guy his age—that's a great number. He's, what about Cody's he's thirteen? Phenomenal. Cody's thirteen passing touchdowns, nine rushing touchdowns, or ten, ten, ten. ten now. And last year they had how many touchdowns combined? They had twenty-five, 25. offensive touchdowns, and Cody Fajardo has been single-handedly part of twenty-three of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So who was the quarterback for a bunch of last year? And where's he in the league right now? Not in the league. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah Which exactly. brings me to a question that Jordan yeah. Reader, Jordan Klamosko has posed. Uh, we invite questions every week, and we actually got some this week, so I want to make sure I uh, acknowledge them. Uh, Jordan asked, basically, uh, is Zach Kalaros going to play for the Argos at some point as a current or perhaps former denizen of Kalaros Island? Still on Kalaros Island. Derek, uh, what can you tell us about uh, Zach Kalaros' status in Toronto? Well, he was what? He was throwing, we saw the reports, he was throwing in practice this past week. He was on the sidelines for the game. They threw in James Franklin for who knows what reason in that game uh, because McLeod Bethel-Thompson looked bad against Calgary. Yeah, thanks. Everybody looks bad against Calgary. <laughs> but there's a lot of problems, I think, in that Toronto squad. He's got to get a, a shot at some point this season because they need to know, hey, I, I think all three of them are free agents. Hey, what do we have? And what does Zach have? Because Zach, I mean, this guy wants to play some football or else why would he be putting himself through all this? So. I think you have to give him a shot and try to block a little better. I Red noticed, sorry. I just want a quick comment about it. I noticed with Zach before the game on Saturday, all the riders coming up to him, hugging him, shaking him down. Oh, yeah. I really noticed that like, there was a, a lot of the embracing and stuff. And I'm I kind of surprised because he, he wasn't here for that long and stuff. But there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of respect being shown by the riders for him. So that was kind of an interesting... Wayne Grolo with a question. How many wins do you think it will take for the riders to get a home playoff game? Thank you, Wayne, for the question. Oh. Again, Derek, Derek will, well, one will more answer it for you. Third. Uh-huh. So everybody's on nine. Yeah. Uh, you have to get ahead of Winnipeg, so ten. Uh, Winnipeg's got Calgary twice. Uh, my goodness, I think Montreal's in there. Probably 12 again. Yeah. It's probably going to be 12 again. You beat BC for 10. You pray you beat – you're going to beat Edmonton twice, 12. 13 may be good enough. Well, 13 might not be even good enough to win the division. Isn't that amazing? You're going to have to win the head-to-head with Calgary, so beat them by 28. 
Yeah, yeah, so it's. I think twelve is the number to get a home playoff win. Are you kind win. of conceding first place to Calgary a little bit? Even though Bo Levi supposedly hasn't been as hard, they're still at four and zero with him at the quarterback now. Yeah, his accuracy numbers haven't been great, but things it's, have been going. But the big number is four and zero. Yeah, <laughs> I, four, I, I'm kind of on the Luke Mullender bandwagon of yeah, Calgary's going to win it, and it just it just feels like it, right? Bo's back. They held fast while he was while he was out through all the running back injuries, through all the other injuries. They found this amazing defense. Like yikes. Mm. Uh, Unless just because they have such a substantial advantage on the riders, I kind of do hand it to yeah. them. Unless Winnipeg pulls out something miraculous in their back to back. The riders have to go to Calgary and win by twenty eight to win that season series. Otherwise, they got to win one more game than a formidable Calgary squad down the stretch, and that might be a a tall order when so you're the talking home about Calgary. Game is is more realistic? Not being the worst division champion, so yeah, I think the that's home play, well, second place is the number. So. Um, this is the this is the burning question. Um, I heard this on the sh- on the sports cage, and I still remember where I was. I was walking across the little bridge around Wascana Lake, closest to Broad Street, and Derek was talking about throwing stones at a hawk. Was, yeah, at, at a hawk, and ended up. Uh, I'm not going to ruin the story. Yeah. I, I laughed honestly all the way from there to the legislative building. It's the funniest thing I've ever heard on radio. Uh, how did this happen, and how is the poor bovine? So during the bye week, my wife said, I want to go to Cypress Hills, Cypress Creek, Cypress Hills. Southwest uh, part of the province, everybody? Okay. I First time, so. I thought, okay, sure. I don't love the thought of driving five hours, but that, I've never seen it before. Let's go. We stayed at this beautiful bed and breakfast just outside of uh, Cypress Hills, and uh, the gentleman there, Jim, had, it was a farm, so he had cows, and he had horses and then he had a bunch of doves that would just fly through and park in the barn and hang out for a bit but with doves murray you know with doves you gotta be worried about hawks oh do you so we're out we're out on wednesday morning and there's this hawk just swooping around chasing the doves and jim was getting worried oh boy these doves he just snatches them and takes them off so i hope they can get away i thought you know what i'm gonna do I'm going to take a rock. I'm going to throw it at this at this hawk. See if I can get him out there. I thought, okay, this sounds like a great idea. Obviously, I know, in no way did I expect I was going to hit the hawk. But I thought, hey, I'm just going to throw a rock at it. Because it would be fun for the 11-year-old Derek to throw a rock at this hawk. So I pick up a rock. And this feels like a Dr. Seuss story I should work on with a good writer about a rock and a hawk. And I, he was coming down low enough that he was maybe, I don't know, 50 feet off the ground. I thought, okay, well, maybe. Maybe I can put a real good scare into him. And there's 11-year-old me with a rock in his hand, ready to go. And I look up, and here comes this hawk, and I reach back to throw it. And as I come through, my shoulder goes, <laughs> let go of the rock, and it 20, maybe 20 feet in the air. And I, I <laughs> clench over in pain. And this rock, it's coming down somewhere. I just hope it's not on my head. And it come, you know, misses the hawk. Hawk's long gone. It comes down and it cracks this little small baby cow in the head. <laughs> and the cow's like, <laughs> what happened? Then it goes back to being concerned with his own life. I'm like, oh. So that was a check. Uh, you checked down to the cow from the hawk, basically. Yeah, Strebler Nation. Strebler Nation. Yeah, so it was not my proudest moment. It made me realize I need to start throwing lefty, I guess, because my right shoulder is just is it so breakfast sore? cereal. It's, well, I can't, you can't really. Like right about there, Mur. Like right huh? right there is about, huh? the, about the extent of it. It's, I wanted to get to the bottom of hitting the cow in the head. I thought that was. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I just started laughing when I heard that. So. Oh, so, that's Can you imagine hitting him in the bum and then it would have been a bum steer? 
Oh, look at that. Every day in the leader post, Murray McCormick <laughs> turns probably... a phrase like that one. <laughs> uh, I Unless there's any final thoughts. Uh, Are the Riders winning the Grey Cup? I'm still... Put a percentage on it right now. 20? 20. Uh, I, I, for reasons previously articulated, I still think Calgary has got to be the front runner. But who thought the Riders would even be in the conversation this time of year? So I'll give them 20 and... Calgary, the other 80. From the top of... Calgary, 80. Hamilton... Calgary, 60. Calgary, 50. Hamilton, 30. Saskatchewan, 20. From the top until you get to the bottom league-wide, Murray, tell me the teams in order that are likely to win the Grey Cup. <laughs> likely to win until the Until you get to the Riders and then just stop because no one cares about <sighs> that. Likely to win. Well, I am going to go... Holy smokes. Calgary, Hamilton. Okay. Riders. Okay. And then Winnipeg in behind Winnipeg, the Riders. Yeah. Yeah, I I might go Hamilton Calgary just because Hamilton's path is easier. Yeah. Like Hamilton's four wins clear of Montreal. They have the home playoff spot sewn up. Calgary could lose to the Riders. They could lose I mean, it would be I'd blow my hair back, but they could lose twice to the Bombers or lose a season series to the Bombers, which would be a disaster for them. Yeah, Hamilton Calgary and I just like I said, I had this sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that Saturday might not go well. And I don't know that it's based on anything because I don't, I, I'm with you guys. I don't think that Winnipeg offense is, is good, but, and maybe this Paul Apolis magical creature and able to conjure up things that I've created in my head. Maybe has been disproven now because even with Matt Nichols, they had the, the fewest passing yards in the league per game. It just, it's there for me, and I don't Do you think they could spiral I, down to even being the crossover team from this? If this is a loss? Oh, like, that would be a dream. And I'm waiting for Zach Evans. I'm waiting to talk to Zach Evans about that again. But we were talking to him uh, one day in a scrum, just to take this on a bit of a tangent. And he was saying, you guys think the crossover is easy. No one's ever taken the crossover and no, gone to the no. Grey Cup. When was the last? So I'm, I'm waiting for, for that. And Zach, if you're watching, you will be prepared for my retort. When was the last time a team third or fourth in their division went to the Grey Cup? Even if they went through the regular path. It was 2005. Because the number three, number four teams don't get through. So it's not like the East is any harder. It's just, man, what would you guys rather do? Would you rather go through, if you're Saskatchewan, you happen to finish third? Third or fourth? Would you rather go through at Winnipeg, at Calgary, or at Montreal, at Hamilton? B. And I, I look at two th- yeah. two years ago, but we were there. The riders, the riders were one play away from James Wilder break up yeah. via the crossover route. And Cody Fajardo. Um, That's right. If I can, if I can get, if I can take the easier path and not have to slog it out yeah. on on possibly cold, frozen fields uh, in November, if I can avoid that West situation i'd rather finish fourth and third in the west yeah and and but get the home playoff game if you can that's absolutely i would rather play the easier teams luke mullander said to me you know what there's something to playing in familiar circumstances yeah. so he said yesterday he would rather play the harder teams in more familiar circumstances than perhaps the easier route in less familiar circumstances where oh are we staying the the extra week from montreal and hamilton you know, are we, are we just going to stay out east and have to deal with that? And do I have to pack for two weeks? And, oh, my goodness, this is awful. It's, he he said there's a real mental component to it, which I'd never considered before. But the easier route team-wise is absolutely through the east. But that no one has done it is not an indictment that the crossover is, is super tough. Because 2005 Edmonton, as a third seed, was the last team to get to the Grey Cup as a three or a four seed. So it's hard for everybody. Murray, do you want to send us out with a, sure. with a flourish here? We have to read this 
It is mandated by Post Media Inc. If you enjoy the podcast, and I can't say how you wouldn't have enjoyed today's, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are there places to get podcasts? There's a thing on this phone that just says podcasts. Okay, Apple Podcasts. So that's how I listen to the sports okay. cage on delay. That's if you'd great. like to send us a question, you can email Rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show. You can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Vanstone or me at Murray LP or Derek at DT on SC. And you can have all your rider news at your thumbs. Awesome. Murray, thank you. DT, thank you so much uh, for being with us. It's uh, an honor to have you in our presence as always. Thank so. you for having me. I didn't even get to drop my great Cody Fajardo stat. But maybe do it, do it, maybe do it. One big number, cage. one big number. Time for one big number. Da, 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 da. One big number for this podcast is 17 out of 18. Cody Fajardo in games with under three minutes left in the fourth quarter this season is 17 for 18 passing for 169 yards. His wow. 94% completion rate is by far the highest in the CFL. That number blew my mind that he is that efficient. Now, it's no touchdowns and no interceptions, but I couldn't believe 17 of 18 with under three to go in the fourth. He was, when you think of the under three-minute situations wow. they've had in the fourth quarters this he season. He was nearly that efficient against the Argos, wasn't he? Mm. Only, well, 80, 23 of 27? 23 yeah. for 27. First time I've seen that since August 15th, 1976. Ron Lancaster versus Edmonton. 40 to nothing. I saw 23 for 27. I thought, hmm. That sounds like 43 years ago. Wow. Uh, Murray, Derek, thank yep, you so much. Rob. My name's Rob. Our producer is Mark Melnichuk. Thank you again, uh, Mark, for doing this for us. And uh, thank you for joining us. We'll do this next week. Uh, oh, I for- this is podcast number 70. I forgot oh. to do the player. Yeah, I do, uh, no Steve Mazurik, Gary yes. Doolin, Pete Martin. Those are former Ryder players wearing number 70. So there, I got it in. I almost forgot. We'll do number 71. So this is going to be officially the end right now? This is officially the end. We'll do number 71 next week if they also have us. So thank you so much and uh, have a great day. Take care.